Welcome back to another episode of the Shift Drink Podcast. I'm Ed Rudisell, and today we are revisiting Japan. Uh, we had a couple episodes there in the middle, but um, you know, I was able to visit Japan for the month of August. It was absolutely incredible. It definitely will not be my last time. Uh, but of course, first high on my list when visiting another country is looking to see if there are any tiki bars in the vicinity. And uh, not not a ton in Japan, but I was very lucky that um, a very short train ride away from Osaka was a place in Kobe called the Kazan Room. And today I've got Brandon Grills on the show to talk about it. You know, he's been open for a short time. Uh, he is an American, originally from Illinois. So uh, welcome to the show, man. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I didn't I didn't get to you fast enough. I know we talked about doing this when I was in Japan and then I like turned on my phone to listen to podcasts going to work, you know, a couple of weeks ago and I I heard you on uh Bartender at Large. I was like, son of a yeah. bitch. <laughs> yeah. They beat you to the punch. That's all right. It's all yeah, right. Yeah, no. Yeah, I met Eric uh, at camp a couple months back and Right. So like when I would uh, left Japan, or I'm sorry, when I visited your bar, like you were going to uh run amok like yeah. 2 days later. Yeah. Yep, yeah, exactly. So we were two squirrels looking for a nut, you know. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, how was uh, how was run amok, man? It was good. It was a lot of fun. It was uh, very different. You know, I come from uh, a kind of a professional background. I was an architectural historian in America. Mm-hmm. So my conventions uh, were very different than uh, Camp Run Amok, yeah. uh, the bartender convention. So let alone just living in Japan for the last uh, five years too. like things have changed. So uh, it was a lot of fun. Got to meet a lot of really cool and interesting people. Um, some great bartenders on the up and up and uh, just, yeah, it was a, it was kind of a vacation work. You yeah. Know, that's kind thing, of culture and, shock within your own culture. You know, it's, it's definitely people from outside the business. When you jump head first into it, you're like, wow, this is how it is. Yeah. I mean, that's how it happened to me. I, I took a job I had a shitty corporate job for a few years um, in my 20s before I started doing this at age 23. But um, like the first weekend I did it, I was like, why haven't I done this before? Like, this is amazing. Yeah. Like, everybody yeah. told me, you're going to hate working nights and weekends. I'm like, I fucking love working nights and weekends. It's, that's, mm-hmm. the, that's when I'm awake. So that's yeah. cool. So you already touched on it, but um, you, you've been living in Japan for, you said, five years or so. Um, mm-hmm. originally from Illinois. How, how does that happen? So, I mean, you yeah. start off in the Midwest, um, yep. you know, and so how do you end up in Japan in the first place? Well, I did grow up in the Midwest. Yeah. So grew up in Illinois, uh, graduated high school and about a month later moved out to San Diego, California, where I oh, went really? to right after high school. Yeah. Right after high school, about a month later, um, went wow. to university out there where I met my wife. Um, and so we had lived and worked in San Diego for a while as I was a student. And then after, after graduating, and then, uh, I went to grad school in Eugene, uh, at the university of Oregon. And so that's what brought us up to, up to, uh, Oregon. And then again, after graduating there, I ended up transitioning up to Portland and I was working as a historian up there, uh, for a fortune 500 company, and my wife was teaching. She's a, a ESL teacher. She's been for about, I don't know, 10, 15 years between here and Japan. And um, yeah, so we are living and working in Portland, falling in love with Tiki. As you know, there's some great port, uh, Tiki bars in Portland, oh, uh, just great bars, great mm. bar scene in general. Like it's just a really great place to mature um, in the cocktail scene. And 
we were working and uh again i was doing a, a lot of work in a cubicle and an office and <laughs> she was kind of yeah. yeah and she was kind of getting burnt out teaching in america as well so we were looking for something different and she had this uh she had this kind of dream of teaching abroad and this passion or this idea that she's always wanted to do and and I was like, yeah, we could, we could do that. We could try something different. You know, my, my job isn't going anywhere. I can come mm-hmm. back and go back to being a historian. It's not like a dying sure. career. And same with her. She can come back to America and teach. So we we're like, well, let's go out there and see what's up and just try something different. And we decided that Japan was the best fit for us for a few reasons. Um, and then, yeah, that's what got us here. you right. So this was 2018, landed in Kobe. I've been living in Kobe ever since. And then was there a particular reason you guys chose to go to Kobe? Uh, No, you know, so it's like a lot of the teaching kind of exchange programs place you, you know, you Mm. don't get much of an Mm -hmm. option. So I think we really, really, uh, yeah, we're lucky with that because Kobe is a great city, um, centrally located. You can get to Osaka, Kyoto within a matter of, you know, under an hour. And then, um, yeah, we've got an international airport out of here too that mm-hmm. can kind of get us around the world. So, um, and it's just a nice, slow-paced city, uh, great for raising a family. You know, just really easy pace. Where, and it's also n- full of nature. So we have the mountains in the backdrop, yeah. and then the ocean uh, in the foreground. Where you go to Kyoto and Osaka, it's just concrete jungle for <laughs> is, yeah. ever, forever. Right? It's like everything. So. Uh, we really love that too, kind of being embraced by nature. Um, but yeah, so that's how we ended up in Kobe. I mean, yeah, you're certainly lucky. And I was, you know, I, I'm assuming we're going to have a lot of listeners to this episode that have never been to Japan, as I had not been as of, you know, July of this year. And, you know, kind of planning out my trip, um, you know, you were definitely one of those stars on my map because I look, oh, well, you know, Kobe is not too far from Osaka. But I didn't realize just how close it is, right? Like, I mean, a yeah. lot of people, they kind of hit that golden route, right? Like Tokyo, Osaka, Nara, Kyoto, whatever, and that whole area. But, you know, in my head, I'm just like, oh, it's two cities. It's probably going to be a few hours in between. It was like 25 minutes on the train. Yeah. And it was gorgeous. I really, really loved It's like night and day between like downtown Osaka and like, like Donburi and then heading over to Kobe where the port is. And like you said, it's very chill. You got the water there. There was a kind of a nice breeze coming through the city. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. just a, a very, very cool area to especially to like own a bar, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, sure. when, when you moved there, what kind of work were you doing? I mean, did you speak Japanese when you moved? No. And I don't really speak much now, uh, okay. even still. <laughs> so, uh, which has kind of led us into like business ownership because it would be almost impossible for me to like get into a professional field of any kind because of my lack of language. Um, So that would make historical preservation or, or, you know, pretty, pretty difficult. Yes, it would. Plus, you know, the American standards and Japanese standards are very different. And so, yeah, there's a lot there, but still, Mm. I think again, we came here because I wanted to try something different. Right. Right. And, And so, um, but, uh, yeah, I was teaching too, you know, so, you know, teaching in Japan is, uh, extremely easy to get into. Uh, you really just need, uh, to know how to speak English from a native speak English speaking yeah, country. Sure. Um, other than that, that's really about it. I think you need a degree, but it doesn't matter what, you know, so, mm-hmm. so for my wife and I were like, let's do it. I can teach. Uh, I, I worked in education. I was in college and 
grad school and stuff too. So I was like, all right, it'll be fun and different. Um, but unfortunately, a lot of these entry level jobs are, you know, they're kind of dead end and, you know, you feel, you start to feel uh, a little trapped. And we kind of knew that this wasn't, especially for me, like my wife, she's an English teacher today. She's been teaching right. for 15 years. Like this is going to build her resume in a different way than it would for me. Sure. And so, so I realized quickly that these jobs are kind of dead end. It's really more of a novelty mm-hmm. position. Uh, they're for a cultural exchange and all this. And so we knew, I think my wife and I, we both knew we needed to do something more substantial. And uh, so I think that's what kind of led us to thinking about, well, what are our options here? You know, sure. and then the lack of Japanese on my part led us to, well, you know, we could we could finally kind of live out our dream of opening a tiki bar. It's like, we do know that. Uh, we know cocktails. We know tiki. We've been invested in the community for some long for, for some long time, you know, about five or six years, I think. And uh, and it's not being done here. So it's like, well, who better to steward tiki uh, in Kansai and in Japan sure. for the most part than us? So and that's kind of where we're like, that let's just com- go for it. Completely yeah. wild. I mean, it sounds backwards, right? Like, we don't yeah. know what else we're going to do. So we're just going to open a business in a country that we don't know quite how to navigate. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, you know, Japan's kind of infamous for the way that like the, the bureaucracy and red tape, right? Like every, they're still using fax machines for government offices and banking still has to be done at the bank and those kinds of things. So like jumping yeah. into that to own it, own your own business sounds wild. I, I just had Holly Graham on the show uh, mm-hmm. about a month ago. Um, who you actually introduced me to and yeah, um, yeah just what a wild process uh, you know she went yeah. through to, to open uh, tokyo confidential and but she had like partners and like mm-hmm. people that were all, boots on the ground i mean you guys really had to kind of scrap it out you know and, and make yeah. it happen so honestly take though, me, i didn't yeah, yeah go ahead no i was Sorry. gonna say take me through how you got into tiki i mean because we all have our different stories. And it, what I really love about the Tiki community is that we all came from different directions, right? Like mm-hmm. I came to it from the cocktails um, because I was a rum geek and that's a pretty slippery slope into Tiki drinks. Um, sure. My business partner, Chris, you know, he was already like super into surf and exotica and the vinyl and all that. And so and he had collected, you know, that also, you know, there's bleed over into other um, mid-century stuff, but you know, it's how did you kind of get into that, especially uh, at your age? You know, you're talking, yeah. you know, it was quite a while, but I mean, why t- 10 years, I guess you said approximately. I mean, yeah. you're a pretty young, young gentleman. Um, and sure. I've been told, and I'm almost 50, and it's, yeah, I hear quite often like you're one of the youngest guys in Tiki. I mean, that is changing yeah. a little bit. You know, we are starting to see younger people get into it, but I mean, how, how did you get into it? So yeah, my wife and I went to Hawaii. So we got into it a little backwards, right? <laughs> That'll do so it. That'll we, do it. Yeah, we went to Hawaii. We were having a great time. We were doing some uh, island hopping and just traveling. And you know, of course, Hawaii, Waikiki, like all <laughs> yeah. the drinks are tropical, and you know, I've got all the garnish and everything mm. and sweet. And you know, I never really drank much. I actually used to drink beer a lot, and I was mm. just like a PBR guy, a um, couple of beers after work, and that was it. And then we went to Hawaii and, you know, I started tasting like these sweet, you know, cocktails, you you know, I didn't really have that appreciation for rum yet either. So it's like when it's masked in some of the more, you know, elaborate cocktails, it goes down real easily. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of where I was like, wow, this is fun. The drinks are good. 
Now, my wife, on the other hand, she was very much into like mixology and stuff, but okay. I kind of like that sweetness and kind of the playfulness of the, the tropical cocktails. And sure. so when we were in Hawaii, we just had a great time. And and then uh, we went back to Portland and we we're just like, okay, well, where can we go <laughs> in Portland that was like Yeah, you got Hawaii. some good options. Yeah. And sure enough, like, in my opinion, one of the best tiki bars in the country at Holly Pele. And I think it's like, in a lot of people's opinion. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's a badass so, place. So we started going there and that's when, you know, we met the community, the tiki community mm. and started talking and swapping stories. And then, you know, we realized how, you know, immature we were in the tiki realm and sure, we started doing sure. our due, due diligence. And as a historian, like I dug into that real quickly. Um, and then my wife at the same time was starting to make her own syrups and trying to ma match like the quality of cocktails that we were drinking when we were out in Portland. And so between the two of us, me kind of being a easy sell when it comes to cocktails, but a historian, and then my wife being more of like the mixologist, we kind of fused together mm. as a couple, you know, combining my appreciation for, you know, mid-century Americana and tiki and fashion and her kind of taste and you know, understanding of building cocktails. And so then we started hosting parties and so on. And it just snowballed. You know, it's, if you've ever <laughs> been to any tiki convention, it's just like room parties and yeah. original cocktails. And, you know, so yeah, I mean, the long, yeah, long story. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That was kind of how we kind of fell into it for sure. Yeah. I mean, that is, like you said, Holly Pele is one hell of a way to get introduced. You know, we kind of had to travel a bit. There wasn't really anybody doing it in indianapolis i mean you know of course like you said you know we were starting to travel for rum conventions and such so you know mm -hmm. you'd, it's a pretty pretty common meetup joint like hey is there you know like hey the mic is not too far away let's go there so yeah, yeah. It's, it's a it's a pretty fun combo you said between the two of you and what i'm really mm -hmm. fascinated in and it's not shocking to hear that you were involved with like the history aspect of it coming from it that way because i it seemed like one of those avenues that a lot of people get into Tiki is through that mid-century architecture, you know, mm -hmm. and like the preservation of some of these places that, you know, have fallen into disrepair. We see it all the time, especially in California. Yeah. Yeah, so for sure. When you, um, you moved to Japan, uh, you know, how was that going over? You know, I guess, because like I said at the beginning, uh, is that, there's not, there's a handful of places, you know, and it's obviously it's a very American genre of bar, mm -hmm. restaurant, cocktail, um, you know, this kind of faux Polynesian pop kind of vibe, um, you know, when you're actually on one of these islands in the Pacific, I mean, a rather large one or group of islands, but, uh, you know, I mean, how, since that's kind of a little bit ingrained, even though perhaps outside of our community, it's just, you know, whatever, umbrella drinks and, you know, the, yeah. a shitty Mai Tai that's not really a Mai Tai. But uh, it, I didn't see that. So, I mean, going through Japan and hitting all these cocktail joints, I mean, it's very, very, like, Japanese whiskey-centric. And if it's not Japanese whiskey, it's shochu. And so, mm -hmm. like, all the things that you were doing uh, when I visited your bar, that was the only place I went to where I was able to get those drinks. So, I mean, yes. how, how was the reception there to uh, the locals? I think overall, I, I, you know, people are probably coming in more so for the craft cocktail, uh, not necessarily because it's tiki. You know, I think sure. tiki is still a very foreign 
concept here, not just uh-huh. to Japanese nationals, but to a lot of expats that live here too. You know, they don't, you know, they might come from you know, Jamaica or wherever, you know, it's like different countries around the world where Tiki isn't hmm. a thing yeah. either. So, um, so we're kind of the first point of contact for Tiki for a lot of people. Um, and overall, I think, you know, they're not buying into like the Tiki community and culture that we're a sure, part of necessarily. Sure. Cause it is just one bar. There's no events. There's, you know, no concerts. It's like, it's more multifaceted than just the cocktails. And so all we can offer really is the cocktails and sure. some of the music and stuff. So they're not falling in love with that necessarily, but they do come in for the cocktails and um, are curious, you know, and I know enough and I know what I'm talking about when it comes to the drinks and what we're doing. And so I'm able to do my best to educate. Um, and more recently we, en- we uh, added a, a movie theater to the bar. So now we're showcasing like South Sea cinema from the thirties through uh, the sixties to kind of round out uh, how, how deep and how multifaceted like Tiki culture and, you know, this Polynesian mm. pop culture was, you know, popularized in America. And so from the music to the movies, to the drinks, to the fashion, we're kind of this, 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 this space in, in Kobe that it's almost like a Tiki museum or something, right? It's like, cause again, no one else is getting it and you're, no one else is doing it. So when you come to our bar, you're getting a huge introduction to Tiki and all the different facets that it has to offer. And so we, uh, we're trying to really do our best to educate uh, the locals, but by and large, I think most of them are just, they're there for a good drink, you know? Um, but well, that's, like um, that's almost even better, right? Like, I mean, yeah. I think that's any Tiki bar where you'd love to be full of Tiki files every night, but I mean, you have to, mm-hmm. you know, pay bills. Um, yeah. But I mean, I, I see any night that you don't have to make a vodka soda as a win, right? Uh, you know, yeah. Or I guess a yeah. highball, highball for you. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so the, uh, but are you having converts? Are you having getting some like Japanese locals? You're like, this is cool. I want to dig into this a little bit more. Or has that, uh, you haven't really been there that long. So I know I'm asking no. these questions like, uh, that you've still, you know, still building it up quite substantially. Sure. sure. Yeah. We just, uh, celebrated our one year, uh, in early November. And so, yeah, just, yeah, that one year. And I think a lot By the of way, the, congratulations. Yeah. Congratulations. Oh, thanks man. That yeah, first year is really... always the toughest one, man. Oh, cool. That's good to hear. <laughs> well, I didn't um, say it was the only tough one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, you're right. Oh, I'll, I guess really I'll give, I'll qualify that it's the toughest one, provided there isn't a global pandemic in the middle of it. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I'm ready for that. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think I think some of the Japanese like guests and other like industry professionals have come in and they've dabbled with tiki at their own bars. But I don't think anyone's really gone as far as we have in this country, except sure. for maybe the Trader Vic's and a few others um, that could kind of can that i would consider an appropriate and legitimate tiki bar there's a lot of hawaiian bars in japan um that are going to sell like syrupy uh pina coladas and blue hawaii kona beer and stuff it's but you know i that's not tiki in my opinion but um there's a lot of industry people that come in and they dabble in tiki and they might do a zombie or something at their bar but nobody's gone full full bore into the actual aesthetics and concept Mm -hmm. as we have but you know they're interested and that's the thing you know japan sometimes in you know japan and sometimes in life in general you need a pioneer you need someone to go out and set the pace and uh so hopefully people follow we're more than open to that because again tiki is a community to us 
So the more people mm. get excited about Tiki in Japan, right. uh, we figure the more people are going to want to come and try our Mai Tai compared to someone else's or just fall in love. And that's how we did in America. Like you, you said earlier, we travel for Tiki. And so um, we're just trying to set a pace here for what Tiki could be for anyone else who wants to open a bar. And it's like, there's nothing wrong with having like quality craft drinks, but also have kind of a fun, playful atmosphere. Sure. Absolutely. Tiki. I mean, that's how it starts, so, right? I mean, you get somebody yeah. j- jump in and maybe they don't really understand what you're doing, but they have a nice, you know, Mai Tai and, and mm-hmm. what you were talking about, um, you know, industry people maybe coming in because they're trying them at their own bars. That's exactly how we saw it kind of play out um, with this whole Tiki resurgence that we're seeing. Well, I mean, we're well past the beginning of the resurgence at this point, but when we were just kind of starting to sniff it outside of like California, that's exactly what was happening, right? Is like you yeah. started seeing regular bars, just craft bars, putting a Mai Tai on the menu or putting a zombie on the menu. And I was like, okay, now there's people outside the community paying attention this is like the time, right? I mean, that was one of the deciding factors for us to even open the Inferno Room was seeing that outside of our community, people were kind of demand not demanding the drinks, but they were enjoying them at other bars. And we're like, okay, yeah, if, if that, that's great. And then, of course, everybody started wearing Aloha shirts there for a few years. So I was like, ah, great, yeah. you know, cool. So, but, yeah. you know, having jumped around the city and I talked about it a second ago, but kind of run me down. What is the, the cocktail scene like in Japan, just in general, I mean, what what is the average uh, salary man going out to drink when he gets off work? And you know, and, mm-hmm. and a, you know, part two of that is what is the craft scene like? Because of course, that's always going to be a subset of, of any cocktail scene. But you know, like yeah. what's what's the uh, lay of the land over there? So I would say first off, you kind of have to exclude Tokyo and Osaka from any conversation I have because these are completely different worlds that are doing high tourism. Uh, high uh, immigration and just people from different parts of the world who have different palates. You know, you start getting sure. off of the beaten path, like uh, Kyoto, uh, or excuse me, not Kyoto necessarily, but Kobe or even uh, Okayama or some of these smaller cities, these third rate cities. Then you start to see more of the traditional drinking habits of Japanese people, right? And so, um, but so here in Kobe, I would say your typical. Uh, a bar is going to be a Japanese whiskey bar, right? Mm. Um, very quiet, um, not a lot of cross conversation. One master serving up typical highballs or uh, other classic uh, American drinks or simple builds. Um, but you know, maybe cigars too, smoking, but maybe not even any music too. Or the music's going to be really light and low. But um, yeah, just really relaxing. But for again, for us as tiki files and even uh, other tourism and you know, uh, cocktail enthusiasts, like these bars are great every now and then because these people really know what they're doing. Sure. But in terms of the culture and the kind of the vibe, it can get a little stuffy, right? It's like, do I really want to go to a cocktail bar where it seems like there's some Yakuza bosses over in the corner and, <laughs> you know, maybe you know, the owner and, you know, just everyone's in suits and stuff. And that's fun every now and then. But, you know, I think for us, again, coming from like Portland and traveling around the U S it's like, it's okay to have fun at a cocktail bar and do really cool stuff too. Right. Like that's the best combination. It's like great cocktails, but fun. And Mm -hmm. so, so that would probably be kind of the high end element of like 
like a cocktail scene here in Kobe and in Japan in general for your your typical you know resident is high end whiskey bars, um, and then the low end is going to be your izikaya, which is more or less a fried food you know hall where you're drinking beers and lemon sours, and then uh, then you'll get your like gaijin bar or your foreign bar, which are good for foreign travelers who want to speak English or meet other travelers from around the country. And they'll typically celebrate, you know, like foreign holidays and stuff and play off of the expat communities. But the the, the cocktails aren't great. Um, they're typically doing shots and beers, stuff like uh-huh, that. Just, uh-huh. you know, you know, maybe some live music, large, larger too, right? So a lot of a lot of cocktail bars in Japan are small. So these the gaijin bars can typically be, you know, like event spaces. So um it 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 lends itself to you know foreigners who are traveling in groups and stuff like that, um, but still the cocktails wouldn't be anything to write home about. And then uh, then you get into the craft realm, and those are kind of few and far between, especially in Kobe. Now you go to Osaka, Tokyo, you can find some really great craft cocktail bars that are winning international awards and being recognized around the world. But you know, you yeah, I think that's where most of our exposure, like when I think of a a, a Japanese bar, I think of, like you said, you know, like very well-dressed manicured bartender, Mm -hmm. the guy that's been doing, you know, been carving his own ice, you know, for 25 years and, you know, Mm -hmm. really takes his time just about like the precision and the perfection of everything. And Almost like, you know, we watch these documentaries about like sushi masters and their apprentices working for like four years before they're even allowed to touch rice and that kind of thing. Yeah. And that's in my head. That's kind of what I I associate with uh, a lot of the way that the Japanese bar style has been up at that level. Anyway, like you were talking about the the high end whiskey bars. Yeah. Yeah. And it is. You go in there and there's usually two younger adults that are kind of just assistants uh maybe not even paid you know it's like you kind of it's all everything it seems in japan is like apprenticeship right and it's like Mm -hmm. doing Mm -hmm. anything you kind of have to wait your turn and you have to study you know so um yeah that's the high end but again you don't see a lot of you know travelers or foreign travelers going there uh because uh not to say that the cocktails aren't great it's just so much different you know and it's like you Mm -hmm. go maybe once you don't need to go again and um and so then again, kind of leaving this kind of tier of cocktail bars and experiences here in Japan, it's like, so you've got, you know, the l- lower rung of like gaijin bars and izakayas, and then you've got that highest rung of like luxury hotel resort bars and, yeah. you know, high end whiskey bars. And then that in between is kind of filled with, yeah, uh, craft bars every now and then. Um, in Kobe, not so much. I would say there's a few bars in the city that are doing like real cocktail, you know, like real craft cocktails, fresh juice, fresh ingredients. But it's it's just somewhere in between where it's just a highball or uh, or a, a whiskey bar. You also get people who just open bars because they have a lot of friends, and it's just like, sure. or it's a barber shop in a bar, you know, or it's a taco <laughs> place in a bar. And so, um, I'm much so, more interested in the barber shop bar. That's that's fantastic. Let's do that. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, so, and it's, I mean, having been to, you know particularly the big cities like Tokyo and Osaka, I wouldn't be surprised to see any sort of mashup. I feel like any idea you have is kind of on the table in those big cities. Yeah, Anything to sure. set you apart from everyone else of a city of 50 yeah. million people. So yeah. that's, that. I don't mean to get sidetracked here, but real quick, sure. we talked about um, Kobe and its proximity um, 
to to Osaka. Um, how mm-hmm. do you know what the population of Kobe is? Because it was a lot smaller than I had kind of envisioned. I loved yeah. it there. It was like, mm-hmm. I mean, the whole country is pretty damn clean, but it was just like very well manicured, very chill. The people had a, the the people there were a lot more chill than say in in Tokyo. You know, it just a, a wholly different vibe, which has got to help out a little bit in in running a tiki bar. Um, where you know people do dress a little louder than they do in the cities yeah um yeah so i think uh, the initial question was yeah uh population 1.5 million so okay yeah I, it, it felt yeah. like that yeah not not too big it was the perfect size there was yeah. plenty to do but not mm-hmm. you know shoulder to shoulder everywhere you went yeah and that's crazy to say that because I feel like at times it is shoulder to shoulder. So that's why I don't go up to <laughs> Osaka and Tokyo too often because it's just like, wow, that's that's a lot. But it, um, yeah, we we went to Tokyo for a week after, well, several weeks after um, I was at your bar. And mm-hmm. that was way too long to be in Tokyo for me. That was just a yeah. lot. And we were coming from Kyushu. And so mm-hmm. like we were around like nobody. Like we were up in the mountains and like hanging out in Takachio for several days. And then, like, yeah. going from there to, like, Tokyo was, like, holy shit. Like, every neighborhood is, like, a whole city. It's insane. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it is. It's, like, I think there's, like, 30 million people in Tokyo or something. So. I think it's almost 50. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, neighborhoods are probably the size of Kobe, you know? It's yeah, like right. Right. Um, so, yeah. Um, but, yeah. Uh, so, it's a smaller market. And uh yeah we yeah it's working out for us pretty well so we're happy it, it keeps the keeps our uh our vibe i guess uh nice you know it's like we like a little more of a quiet environment we only have seating room so we don't do standing room oh really um, i didn't know that yeah so it's i mean we, the we're, we're the same way but we have like five thousand square feet and you yeah. have a very small bar yeah, we do. But again, I think the people who make their way out to our bar, either from uh, abroad or throughout the country, uh, they come to drink and they come to enjoy themselves and meet new and exciting people. And so, you know, it's not necessarily about volume as it is about, you know, uh, the, the quantity, you know, and people sure. coming and really appreciating that. So, you know, so far, you know, we've there's a few times where people we've had to turn some people away because it was too busy, mm-hmm. but most of the time it's nice and intimate. And that was really part of our, our kind of vision. Uh, not to say we get to control that all the time. Sometimes it's just slow, but sure. you know, the idea was, you know, to have like a nice kind of like a Japanese style whiskey bar meets Tiki where, you know, it is going to be low lit, some nice, you know, in this case, exotica music in the background, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. where someone can actually come and appreciate uh, a, a handcrafted cocktail, maybe conversate with me or my wife, whoever's working, and just take a load off from, again, the bustling city uh, and find that true escapism here at our bar. So um, we haven't had a problem maintaining that kind of volume and aesthetic. So that's been really cool for us. And no, I think you Kobe nailed the escape. Yeah. I mean, it's beautiful yeah. inside and like I said, it's a what 25 to 35, depending on which line you take outside of Osaka. Mm-hmm. And it is night and day. Um, now I guess I should get this disclaimer. I mean, like I would say your bar is a little hard to find, but that's not entirely true because everything in Japan is hard to find. Like yeah. it's just, if you're not from there, right. If you're from there, you just, yeah. used to it. and we got used to it after uh, you know a, a week or two there, but everything is vertical. 
You know, I mean, mm. you know, especially uh, the closer you are to major metropolitan areas, you know, you have to figure out what floor someone's on and like how many businesses might be on that floor. And so I initially had like envisioned your bar on the ground level. And I don't know why um, I knew it was was up an elevator or, or stairs. But um, yeah, so not not difficult to find. There is signage out front and it tells mm-hmm. you a third floor, if I remember right fourth floor fourth see i don't remember right yeah it's all right i'm going through a different uh, numbering system than you that's all it is yeah it's okay but you know yeah Yeah, i headed up and there was a you were right next to a sake bar i believe Um, Mm -hmm. and then there was something else up there but yeah um so i mean that's just something you have to deal with in japan is just being used to like looking for landmarks instead of addresses because it gets pretty tricky but how did you land on that particular spot um so it's a beautiful neighborhood yeah, thanks. We do live in the neighborhood. So we know oh, we wanted to keep yeah, so we wanted to keep it uptown, right? So we knew what kind of kind of, that was the target demographic we were looking for. We wanted to keep it uptown cuz you go downtown and you know the bars are like stacked on top of each other down yeah, there. You know, and yeah. it's like but they're also just selling beer and highballs and mm-hmm. chew highs and all that. So and it's great. And again, they're doing large volume, but we knew again, it's just me and my wife. So, you know, we we can't hand, you know, we can't handle that without hiring someone else. So we have to right. try and kind of find that middle ground where we can actually pace ourselves and still serve up quality cocktails without being, you know, uh, in the weeds, I guess. So, so as you're um, sorry, to, one sec. So yeah, you've talked about you bartending and your wife bartending. Are you the only two yeah. bartenders there? Oh yeah. Yeah. And your wife's us. still teaching, right? Yeah. She teaches. She doesn't bartend every night. So I manage okay. the bar okay. and I bartend Monday through I bartend every night. So Tuesday through Saturday, but she Amazing. comes in uh, Friday nights, Saturday nights and helps me out if we need it, or if we do private parties or like, for example, we had our one year. So we, you know, she, you know, came in, of course, you know, it's like, we were pretty busy that night. So she'll come and relieve me, give me a break or even yeah. just help out. And so super cool. But, yeah. But yeah, so, I mean, you large, guys live yeah. in the neighborhood and decided to go ahead and, mm. and, and get this place. So, yeah, I mean, what's uh, you landed on the uptown area. Was that because you lived in the area already or did you do that the other way around? <laughs> well, we did. We do. We do live in the area. And we again, I like I was mentioning, I kind of thought it would be a little bit more. Uh, uh, we kind of carve out the right demographic for this part sure. of the city. Um, and, and it has been the, the case so far. And that building in particular uh, just had some vacancies. You know, we opened the bar okay. right after the pandemic and a lot of places were kind of vacant yeah. due to the pandemic, but then they were vacant before that. So that was like two years or so. So the, the, the landlords were kind of like chomping at the bit to get these out, you know? And so mm-hmm. the funny story is actually we, uh, given our background, you know, like being teachers and a historian, like insurance companies didn't want to pick us up actually. So we were having a hard time being uh, picked up by a Japanese insurance company because they're like, who the hell are you? This is crazy. Mm-hmm. People don't do this, right? As we mentioned, we were already a little crazy trying to do Tiki and just coming from a different background. Well, the Japanese insurance company saw that too. But uh, the landlord was so excited that someone actually wanted to uh, open a bar and take one of his units off his hands that we had a handshake deal. Uh, for the first year, and we've surpassed wow. that already. Wow, and yeah. uh, otherwise, we would never even been able to open because no one would insure us, you know. Mm. And so he's like, you know, he's like, I trust you guys. You have a good plan. You know, you know what you're talking about. And 
you know, the bar was already pretty well set up in terms of its uh, footprint and layout. So we were really happy with that. And I did all the renovations myself. And so, you know, it was just kind of luck. And uh, I don't know, when I saw the space, you know, I knew I, I had the vision. It was just like one of those things, you cracked that door open and it was a shithole when we found it too, okay? But that's exactly <laughs> what we wanted though, right? We wanted a shithole because, you know, when you go to these other bars and like, oh, we just did the carpet in red. We just did a new bar stool in red or something. It's like, I need to scrap all that, dude. Like I'm doing tiki. So everything's got to go, right? Right, yeah. And so when I saw this place, it was a diamond in the rough for me. It was, you know, the wallpaper was like 70 years old. You know, just there's nothing there. It was stripped down. It smelled. It was just like it was horrible. And I was like, "This is perfect because <laughs> we're gonna <laughs> because we we're gonna have to strip everything down anyway and right. build up as tiki." You know, sure. like because no one even has any idea what's going on. And so when I saw it, I just like the the bar layout was great. All the light schedule was really nice. And then they had this center, uh, the like whiskey bar, you know, case. You know, this whiskey case or like a cocktail. Um, or uh, excuse me, um, bottle case, right? Yeah. And when I saw that, I was just like, instant, that's my tiki mug case right there. Like, and so I started to see a lot of that right when I saw this space. And so you're asking why this space in this neighborhood, it, I don't know, it just hit, it clicked and the vision and everything just flew right out of me when I found it. And so we popped on it. And then luckily enough, the landlord was willing to do a handshake deal with us. And yeah, it's just now we're in the free and clear and just, keep moving forward so no it's a I, I really did enjoy the neighborhood and like i said we we trekked over there just to specifically to hang out at your bar and i wish i'd had a little bit more time because there was a cool place uh just down the way from you like it was like a jazz club i think yeah um, sony yeah okay yeah we uh we ended up not stopping in because we were pressed for time to to uh meet someone in osaka but yeah i mean just super cool area love it you mm -hmm. know so i mean now that you're kind of one of the few people like, you know, repping Tiki in Japan. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, you had mentioned to me when I was, we were hanging out at the bar that, you know, you've kind of taken it upon yourself to like be that one of the standard bearers in, in Japan to like, kind of it, take the responsibility of like letting people know why you've done all this to yourself, <laughs> you know, yeah. why you've, you were killing yourself to open this bar in Kobe. And, and, you know, I mean, how is that playing out? I mean, we talked at the very, very beginning, you, you were talking about, um, you know, going to run amok and that being kind of culture mm -hmm. shock. Uh, I mean, going to cocktail competitions and such. And I definitely, we see that, you know, happening in Japan. Uh, how has that been playing out? I, I had one of your wife's uh, uh, competition drinks. It was yeah. fantastic. Yeah. It was a yeah. really delicious drink. So, I mean, how has that been um, when you're trying to get the word out to a crowd that maybe perhaps isn't so interested, you know? Uh, yeah. You know, I think we're doing all right. You know, it's, it's really tough to say because again, it's just been one year. Um, sure, we're, sure. we're new to the game. Uh, we're obviously very excited and you know, eager to show what we can do down here, but you know, it is Japan. So I think there's a little bit of a pecking order and kind of wait your turn, but sure. there's been a lot of people that have really been receptive to us and, you know, any chance we get to work with somebody new and showcase our cocktails, uh, we do it. And, you know, those people kind of keep coming back and want to work with us again. So I think it's just going to be more of a patience thing. And, you know, as these cycles go around too, from like events and competitions mm. and different, like, uh, so there's a cocktail event in Osaka this week. Uh, we didn't get to make that this year, but maybe next year. And then 
there's a whiskey event in Kobe in a few months. Uh, again, we missed kind of the deadline. Some of this stuff is insider information though, you mm-hmm. know, so being right. a new kid on the block, we're not necessarily getting this information, um, but we're meeting these people. And so every time we meet new people, we kind of get our foot in the door. Right. And so we continue to see maybe next year we'll be able to do something there. Um, but overall, it's been good. We've, uh, yeah, a couple of competitions, a guest ship. Uh, we did a whiskey or excuse me, a rum and tequila event in August, late August or early Very September, cool. I think. Um, and we were able to showcase one of our originals there. And yeah, we've been working with some uh, rum dis- uh, ambassadors here, hoping to do something maybe, I guess, the end of November, early December, maybe have a guest shift down at the Kazan Room, which would be really cool. And yeah, honestly, some people from Camp Runamuck have come out since I've been there. So we've been doing guest shifts oh, with cool. them coming into town. So um, overall, yeah, we're just trying to do the best we can with the friends we're making, sure. you know. There are other bars there, right? I mean, of course, there's the VIX, uh, which, by the way, next year is their 50th anniversary. And I Mm -hmm. have been lobbying to let them or to to bring our Inferno Room crew to like help them celebrate. I was like, yeah, we'll go back to Tokyo. Come on. Mm -hmm. But um, I mean, since it is such a small community there in Japan, are you guys all kind of uh, in communication with each other? Or is it just uh, everyone's a little too busy to, to stay too plugged in? And you're also in very, I mean, you're all geographically separate yeah for sure um well out of the four bars there's the sam's by the sea chain in Mm -hmm. okinawa um you know it was founded by an american expat in like 74 and it's a teppanyaki meets tiki kind of themed cocktail bar but they serve the classic tiki cocktails they have mugs and so i would say they're very tiki in my opinion um but they don't advertise themselves as sure. tiki. It's just a seafood restaurant. I think most people who go there or even work there probably have no concept of tiki as a right. as a, a bar program or a culture. Um, so you know, we yeah, well, there's nothing there. There's it's sure. not happening. Um, and then you've got uh Gucci down in Okayama. Um, you know, he does it as a hobby, so he only opens Thursday through Sunday. Uh he works full time. Um, not to say there's anything wrong with his bar. It's a great tiki bar. He's a, uh, and he loves tiki as well, but he's not as regular or uh, committed to sure. kind of the cocktail culture community. So he doesn't mm-hmm. really do as much. Um, and so it's tough to reach out to him because he's kind of got different priorities, right? Sure, sure, sure. Uh, and then in terms of Trader Vic, yeah, yeah again, right. they're they kind of advertise themselves as a Polynesian style restaurant or even just a restaurant steak and lobster type place. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I know about the 50th anniversary. Uh, We have been contacted about helping out. Um, We also know some other people that might be coming in. So would you like to, yeah. Would you like to buy my plane ticket too? (laughs) (laughs) No. uh, (laughs) I'd love for you to come out, but no, I I, yeah. It I is a consideration. We we might make yeah. it out because it's, yeah, I mean, you only get to do 50th one time. You know, yeah. uh, I know we're a little bit limited on time here, but before we mm-hmm. wrap up, I wanted to, you mentioned working with like some rum ambassadors and such. Mm-hmm. And um, definitely, I mean, we've talked a little bit about uh, whiskey being just huge there, but it's, it's not that it's just huge. It's damn near the only thing you can get other than locally produced or at least domestically produced like shochu sake. And so, mm-hmm. um, 
rum was tough, man. I everywhere I went, every liquor store I went to, I'd check out, you know, what rum was available. I was looking for some like fun bottles of like nine leaves, um, which mm-hmm. I didn't find in too many places. Um, yeah. but you know, are you working with local distillers or like semi-local uh distillers to try to represent kind of locally made or at least domestically made spirits? I mean, we I ran into some a couple of different gin makers, um, distillers mm-hmm. while we were out and about. Uh, in the country. And I definitely saw that at least a little bit more accessible than, than rum. Uh, no, short answer. No. Uh, <laughs> okay. Definitely not local stuff. You know, we haven't really fallen in love with some of the local stuff. Now, Nine Leaves is an exception. I love that rum, but it's expensive, you know, so it's yes, tough it for is. us to, you know, bring these kind of bottles in as our well. Yeah. Um, it's just, so we can have it up on the top shelf for tasting. But other than that, like, we're not going to be doing high volume either because sure. that's just a tasting rum. Mm-hmm. And so that makes it more complicated to build relationships with you. Cause it's like, Hey, celebrate me, but I'm only going to have like one or two bottles of your rum right. in my bar right. and I'm not going to have a high, high turnover. So it, yeah, it, you know, I wish things were easier, but at the end of the day, it is business. And. Oh, I get um, it. I mean, you do have a very so, small footprint. I mean, yeah, I mean, you don't have room to put 300 bottles of rum on that back bar. Yeah. You wouldn't have room for anything else. Yeah, but again, like I said earlier, like the people who are willing to work with us, we're willing to work with them and build yeah. those friendships and um, yeah, just celebrate their rum. Now, maybe it's not uh, a, a, a Japanese rum, but still like, as you mentioned too, it's like there's not much for rum here. So I think for uh, brand ambassadors, and liquor ambassadors who are looking for an outlet to start pushing new products in their suite, you know, cause you think of like yeah. the Campari group or the Remy Martin group, they have, you know, you know, different rums that uh, haven't really been utilized outside of a mojito in this country, you know, mm. and we're taking these rums and we're blending them and we're, you know, doing different things and making fun tropical cocktails. So I think people have uh, seen that and, you know, want, want to work with us to help uh, kind of, make rum more popular why not yeah so that's the charge we're all trying to lead it's uh it's tough i mean even here where i've got access to hundreds of rums it's still like pulling teeth to get anybody to drop by and tell me that they've got one in their book and it's available Uh, i mean do you you guys work in the kind of standard uh three-tier distribution system like we have in the states or is it um directing and summary how does that work yeah, it's all over the counter for us. So okay. we just right. go straight to the liquor store. Um, now, obviously, you know, given we want to keep our you know margins low, we go to like the bargain, sure. you know, discount stores, but um, which have less options. So if we want like a really unique rum, like JM, the Volcanique is uh, yeah. going to come to market here. And so, you know, That's your good. typical, yeah, disc, I have a bottle. I imported it though. So like I smuggled <laughs> that in last time I came back from america but you know so for more like exotic rums and unique stuff that the bigger brands are doing like you have to go to like a specialty liquor store Mm. but by and large you have like liquor mountain and liquor express these are considered like bargain liquor stores or discount liquor stores you're still getting like plymouth gin and plantation and stuff Mm -hmm. there Mm -hmm. it's just um you know they're they're gonna have your basics and so for our wells like yeah plantation's great you know it's like we love that it's a great blending rum um same with the plymouth gin or whatever right so we can we buy directly through these um uh, through these uh liquor stores you know, yeah that's no cool i mean that so. man that's but like a double-edged sword right a little bit of a pain in the ass just one more thing you have to do every week or every day but yeah on the other side 
you don't have to wait for a rep. You don't have to find out that it's out of stock two days after mm-hmm. you expected it in and ordered it. Yeah, that's it's pretty wild. And again, you know, when your volume is so much lower. And uh, I mean, yeah. you know, when you we're, we're talking about volume, because we're going to definitely you're going to have a huge rush now that you've been on the show. There's going to be like one okay. person within the next four years come in and be like, I think I yeah. heard you. But, um, yeah. you know, yeah, you've got kind of. Yeah, I mean, I hope it happens. That would be fantastic. Yeah. I mean, it's a it's a cool bar, um, you know, as you're putting that out there, you know, uh, where are people finding you? online uh or do you have do you have a presence online or do you have merch available online because i know we're all merch whores and mm. the tiki community right like if we have an opportunity to make something cool with a cool fun design you're bet your ass is coming on a glass or a t-shirt yeah um you know we primarily just use instagram you know yeah. okay uh, and so you can find us on instagram i think we do have a facebook page uh my wife kind of take care of that but we don't we don't sell merch abroad though. So yeah, I was going to ask that. I mean, like shipping would be ridiculous, right? It is. It is ridiculous. So we and I also like the exclusivity of it. So it's like yeah. we like having people who come to our bar to be able to walk away with things that are exclusive to the Kazan room. It's like you got because again, we're collectors, right? So when you go to your next swap meet, you know, or tiki trade off or whatever, and you're like you've got the Kazan room mug. Like you had to have gone there to get that. Like, so I think that adds value. Um, and then the shipping is just, it's a logistical and cost nightmare. And, uh, but we do have merch. We have, uh, mugs we did with a a local artist. Well, not local, but, um, an American artist out of Des Moines, Iowa. He, uh, did our mugs for us and really cool, like tin can motif. So it's like an old shoe high can meets tiki mug. Um, and then we have some glassware. We just released some shirts. We worked with an artist out of the Netherlands. Um, he did our uh, he did our graphic for that. And so we do have merch. And you know, again, the Tiki community is very uh, excited about that. So uh, we try and keep pumping it out. You know, to give people something to take home. So uh, omiyage, as it's called, right? A small gift. So um, yeah, it's been good. Ooh, I'm gonna start using that to try to sell more merch. I mean, yeah. what's your split look like? I mean, because you obviously Tiki people travel and they're mm-hmm. going to, I mean, we, I'm kidding around saying that people might pop in because they heard this, but I mean, it's definitely, you know, Tiki people definitely will look up a place and like I did, right? Like, okay, yeah. I'm going to be here and here and here and here. Is there a Tiki bar? I mean, what are you getting a good split of locals to, you know, expats to travelers? You know, I mean, you get kind of all the above. Kobe, I don't, believe has nearly as much tourism as say osaka but um you know no, again close. it's so close though it's so close yeah. so are you getting travelers in oh yeah i would say t- the tiki community has been the backbone to our success here really? easily said yes uh they travel they spend well they buy the merch they spend all night here at the bar <laughs> i mean we have we have multiple occasions where people will literally make a route for kobe for the bar spend the night in kobe come to the bar, you know, get dinner first because we don't sell food, but you know, they get dinner first and they spend all night at the bar and then they retire, you know? And it's like, that's the Tiki community that I fell in love with. And we're seeing the same reciprocation here out in Japan. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so, um, the locals, again, we're, we're, we're doing our best to, but both local expat and Japanese national, uh, we are doing our best to reach them, but people can't see you shrugging your shoulders. I wouldn't even know where to start. Like I struggle with like, you know, kind of the self-promotion thing at our bar. And I just can't even wrap my head around trying to 
like wedge into another culture, a city that big, a population that dense, just it's, it's overwhelming. It's amazing what you've done. And again, congratulations that you've made it for through a year, because I mean, I know yeah, how tough does. that is, especially when you're doing everything. I, I didn't realize you were literally doing everything, um, yes. especially with your wife with a second job. That's, that's a lot of pressure. I mean, congratulations. Thanks. And we didn't even mention, I guess we should also yeah. mention, you've got a young child now. Yeah, we <laughs> so. have a three-year-old son. Yeah. But again, we live this lifestyle and it is a true passion for us to celebrate Tiki and provide that space for yeah. uh, locals and travelers. And I think that really shows. And, you know, we're, we're trying to push the envelope when it comes to unique cocktails, not just for Japan, but for the Tiki culture in general. We've got some new originals coming out this month. And just, uh, I again, tried all of, well, not all. I tried several of your originals when I was there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, loved the creativity, but still like coloring within the lines of Tiki, right? Like we've seen, sure, you know, as Tiki is really spreading out and it's getting into more hands and maybe not being treated as respectfully as it should. You know, sometimes we see things that shouldn't really be called a Tiki drink, or but I mean, sure. yours, your bar very much struck me as a traditionalist kind of bar. Uh, you could definitely tell that you're a historian um, mm-hmm. by the the kind of reverence that you're giving to Tiki. But um, there were some very Japanese ingredients uh, on mm-hmm. the menu and it worked so well. Like your wife's drink, if I remember right, it was a Sakura t- cocktail. Is that, is that, yep. am Sakura I right? Sling. Yep. Yeah. Delicious. Absolutely mm-hmm. delicious. And I, I believe that was one of the, her award-winning drinks. Well-deserved. Yep, yep. I mean, I remember it. Again, if somebody was heading to Japan, I'd be like, go to Kobe and try the Sakura <laughs> Sling because it works, you know, and that's yeah. kind of the, the difficult part is to, you know, this is a, a very old industry, you know, and it's also a very old segment of the industry. And it's it's hard to be creative, you know, um, yeah. when it, you just feel like everything's been done before. If you doubt that, pick up a book of any of Beach Bum's books and you'll be like, oh, shit. There's that drink I invented last week. And there's the one I invented yeah, two yeah. months ago. They were doing that in 64, you know? So, mm-hmm. uh, so uh, absolutely fantastic. I know you and I could do this for hours, man. Um, I can't wait to come back to your bar. Hey, Thank maybe, uh, maybe I'll make it over for, for the, uh, for the Vicks thing. That would be, that'd be pretty cool. I just got to talk even to uh, buying that plane ticket. <laughs> yeah. Next so, October. Um, yeah. So on Instagram, before we wrap yeah. up, um, what is your Instagram handle so people can we can direct everyone to you? Yeah, just at the Kazan Room. Brandon, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. It's been a few months since we've talked, and like, yeah, can't wait to go back. I can't. It, yeah. just, the amount of the, what you've accomplished in the last year is amazing. Can't wait to check it out after two years, which is my intention. So, thanks thank for you. coming on Shift Drink, man. We'll absolutely um, try to recommend some people over to your bar, and and hey, if you do, if you're out there listening. And you are planning on stopping by Kobe and seeing Brendan? Tell him. Tell him you heard him uh, on the show <laughs> here because uh, it's at least that way he can figure out where people are listening and, and where they're coming from. So, uh, again, thank you so much, Brandon. Cheers. <laughs>